What about the air guitarists? I mean, they they, yeah. they sort of like in the ultimate level of of, of fantasy. It's like <laughs> so they put a guitar in their hands. Like, what do I do with this? I was, I, they spend hours in their bedroom practicing air guitar. Unapologetically hypeless and heartfelt. This is kicking back with James Shramko and Joel Osborne. No going back, Joel. No going back. There is not. We are on the wave. Yeah, so it's it's you know, something when I've noticed uh, the waves look tiny from up here. And then when I get out, I paddle out, they start getting bigger. I'm like getting smashed like a rag doll. And uh, not that I know what that's like, but mm. I imagine. Imagine. <laughs> you yeah. see those little psychos in the movies. Yeah. And I get out the back and the, and the waves are sort of, they lift you up like you're like, like a, a buoy, they yeah. say in the States. Yeah. Boy. And then as you start paddling, you kind of go through this commitment zone where once you cross it, you, you're going to have to catch the wave because they start cracking on top of you. And when you look down, it looks like 10 feet down, even it might be a two or three foot wave. It just looks like the yeah. hugest thing. Once you're on the wave and committed, you can't get off. Basically, you, you're forward. Sure. Well, that, it reminds me of what this lunatic I used to work for used to say, there's no reverse gear in Formula One. Mm. And it was all about this commitment. And the reason we're talking about this is we were defining what the difference between a go-forward mindset or a paralyzed mindset is. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes I think some of the smartest people end up getting paralyzed by the amount of choice and options they have to – it's like they can figure out every move of the chessboard and then they give up because they realize there's so many opportunities that they mightn't win. Right. Whereas, They've overthought it. Yeah. And I've actually, when I was once, you know, I was trying to set finance deals for people who were coming into the Mercedes Benz dealership and they were trying to get finance on the cars. And sometimes the customers were such simple people. Like mm. I'd almost border on dumb, but they weren't dumb because they were buying a Mercedes Benz. Mm-hmm. But one guy strikes me. Uh, as remarkable, he used to have a tip truck, and he had a very low IQ. I mean, it couldn't have been very, very much more than ten or something, and it, it was probably a lot higher than that. But ten sounds like a low number. He basically his job was to pick up rubbish with a tip truck, and he was able to, you know, bring in hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. He just he didn't overthink stuff. He created a company of tip trucks. He no, I pretty or much he just had, had the one tip truck. One tip truck. Wow. He would go to the council and say, "I'll pick up your rubbish." He'd tender for it, and he'd get the job. So he, his job literally was to drive to a site, pick up the rubbish. Mm-hmm. The thing that he did that was slightly clever was he went to all the recyclers and he arranged to sell the plastic and the metal and the paper all separately. Mm-hmm. So he would go and pick up just the paper or just the metal or just the plastic and drop that off and get paid at the other end to deliver it. So he's getting paid twice. He's a double dipper. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of clever, but there was no real rocket science to it. He didn't overthink it. What if the truck breaks or what if I can't get enough for one? He just did it. And he was making hundreds of thousands. And I know so many smart people who just sit there on their hands paralyzed with the, the paradox of choice. Well, there is that, that theory too that if you, yeah, if you do overthink it, then you're not going to do anything. Like, you know, the, the theory that just jump in the deep end and you got you got to do what you got to do in order to keep your head above water. There's even marketing tests and they, they show, it's like a famous jam test and they 
show people a couple of options of jams and they ask them which one's their favorite and then they show them like 21 jams and they can't decide because yeah. there's too much choice. Sure, sure. So a confused mind takes no action at all. It sure. just stops. It's like too much. Now there's a theory I'm sure that can be a metaphor that can be drawn from this experience. I used to go body surfing, um, you know, with a bodyboard, bodyboarding each weekend when I was a kid and when you're just explaining that experience before about, you know, the waves seeming a lot bigger, there was these huge sets coming through and it was an effort to even get out there, you know, in order to catch a wave. And I started going down a wave and it was just this, just this straight drop. And I thought, no, nah, I've got to get out of this. So I went to pull out, but, but by that point I was too far in. And so I got up to the top and the lip of the wave just carried me, <laughs> continued carrying me and then just dropped me so hard. And I just got so dumped like you wouldn't believe. So there is a, I'm sure that there's something that you can be uh, drawn from that. that well, that's if it, you that's, are going to do it, go ahead, don't pull back. Basically, once, you, once you're in the traffic, you, it's just easier to go with it than yeah. to try and exit. There's, yeah. there's no exit off the lip. <laughs> you're probably doing some, maybe the first barrel roll in history or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. People but, are like, man, this guy, what is he going to pull off? Oh, no, he just dumped. But then it's amazing how much different results people can get with the same raw materials. So there's been a World Surfing Open out the front here on the beach in the last week. And I would go out surfing in the morning and the waves might be, you know, two or three feet, which when you're learning is fairly big. It's, it's like, still scary. Well, but what, what are your thoughts on the surf today? Because I was just looking at it before and I thought I could, I could see James out there. You yeah, know? It's, it's tiny today. It's, it's tiny. probably one foot or half a foot. Okay. So that means I take a longer board. I'm pretty much guaranteed to stand up. Yes. and. The surfing run will be until the point of exhaustion. Yeah. I'll probably stand up 10 times in a row, mm -hmm. and then I'll be so exhausted I'll, I'll come in and that's it. And even if there's no, like, school to try and scan? Oh, no, they'll be there. Yeah. They'll be there like, watching the clock. <laughs> you look, oh, actually, I've got to get down there. Strategically timed yeah. our podcast. Just drift so into yeah, the, yeah, yeah. School starts at lunchtime, so yeah. we're, we're on track. <laughs> I'll get a couple of sessions in. Now, now, have you got to the point now where they just accept that, yeah, he's one of the school, like well, he's always here, he, he must have paid. This guy can't yeah, be scamming the, every... Uh... The only difference is that they can actually surf and they get paid. Yes. Um, otherwise, <laughs> we're all the same. No, the instructor, I mean, I, I know them so well. I know, I know all the different ones and yeah. you know, they're always there. But, yeah, I would... But yesterday it was really big. So it was like fight to get out the back and, you know, try and pick a wave that won't kill me Yeah. and get on, get on one. And if I can stand up and ride it all the way to the shore, that, that will be the session because yeah. I'll be too exhausted to, to try go and out get again. back out. It's dangerous. Yeah, I was once in Tamarama and it was just the huge waves of whitewash was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And I was there for an hour. I'm like, screw it. And I hadn't got out yet. I'm continually paddling for an hour and I never got out. It is. Sometimes <laughs> it feels futile. But then as I was saying about the contrast, you look just 100 feet down the beach to the contest and these guys are getting airs. They're like flying <laughs> down the way. They're rubbing it in. Up, out off the top and I think they call this a re-entry or Rio. They go out and then they come back into the wave and the whole time I'm just there, you know, like lucky to stand up. Yeah. So the same wave pretty much, just different talent, ability, practice, time in. But thinking about if I go every single day for a year, then mm -hmm. I'll probably have had more time in the surf than most people with a job who go sort of on their school holidays yeah. you know, a couple of weeks a year. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a, it's a time in game. 
I think this is the surf police. They've been yeah, listening this is, to this podcast and they're like, you're hang on, the scammer. For lack of ability. <laughs> the, uh, but I was just thinking of a scenario then. You, you get caught in a rip and you get drifted down into this championship. And then suddenly you're... you're <laughs> oh, no, we've got a late... A oh, late, yeah, yeah. late entry and you like catch like the best wave. You drop in on the top surfer and then you get the medal at the end of the day. It would be a dream. It yeah. Would be- it would be a dream, but it's most unlikely. <laughs> they, they come on those little ski do things and they go, oi, oi. Oh, really? They yeah. patrol the area? Patrol the area. Yeah. It's, it's okay. It's a free beach. Yeah, come on. But I noticed that the locals here, they really do buffer up right into the surf zone. And some of them are actually catching some pretty good waves mm. just off camera. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And while the, the two competitors, they're in like a death match for the final and they're trying to pick the eyes out of the waves, yeah. but these... Scooter Local, on the the side, locals just, are just carving in on their turf, you know, just yeah. showing them up a bit. Yeah. And I think that is their dream. I think they're, they're trying to make the dream. So what's the difference between someone who dreams it and then someone who acts upon it? Well, someone that's the difference. What is the difference? That they act upon it. <laughs> why? I wonder why. Well, I, I don't know. I was reading uh, that biography, autobiography. Of <laughs> what? <laughs> Is this the Arnie? <laughs> of Arnie. <laughs> this, I think we mention every reckon, podcast. Yeah, we'll be, and we, we might, never talk we might get we might get ten episodes out of this Arnie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we can no, follow we that up with our speed reading course for procrastinators. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a this is the ever elusive Arnie that we will never actually discuss anything about. We're just sort of drip feeding. This and whole, so, what? Tell me something from the book. Well, his whole thing is just jump in and do it. Don't think about it. Like, well, just, he's like. That, like he did with the housekeeper. Yeah, he's like, come on, I've got to do it now. I'll do her now. Yeah, he's, um, yeah, he doesn't think much about it. But he's a very smart guy, you know. A lot of people, and he said that he uses that. People, you know, misjudge him as being, he says, just this muscly guy with no brains. And he says he likes that. Because then he can use that against them if he's like in some, you know, business deal or if he's trying to get what he wants, which he always does anyway. It's a classic military strategy from Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Mm-hmm. It's like 3,000 years old and it says, yes. know thy terrain. And that the battle is won in the boardroom first and, and then on the field. Mm-hmm. So you, they're probably making whole assumptions about the battle and completely yeah, mis- misunderstanding him. Right, right. It seems quite shrewd. I mean, he was a governor. It, it, yeah. He like, wasn't even born in the country. Like, no, he no. must have overcome huge challenges. Well, he, yeah, that's what I it's found like Obama. most fascinating. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he was even born at all. No. I don't think they have a birth certificate for him. What do you think? Him. He's like Akonaki race or something. Could be an alien. Yeah. But, like, there's a big bit of a furor over, like, he, like, it, he won't divulge his birth certificate. Yeah. But I'm sure he would, like, if he needed to, I'm sure he would. Because I know that Donald Trump had that whole thing about finding out you know, what his true origins were. And there's some documentary. I watched a documentary. Well, Donald Trump is a pillar of all things normality and and good hair. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like like how people go, it's got to be a hairpiece. But it's like, really, if it were a hairpiece, you think you'd buy a better one. Like that's probably the world's worst. If that is a hairpiece. No, I think the world's worst hairpiece is is, um, Christian Bale from from that. uh, American Hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty bad. I love Can't that. Remember. I love that opening scene when he. That wasn't meant to be in the film either. What that, that opening scene when he's applying it, which really? reveals so much about his character. But he, yeah, that was just thing on the side that they were doing, and then he said, you know, just shoot me doing this, getting ready for it, and then they said, let's keep it in there. That's pretty cool. I like the the ad libbing. I mean, we we need to like it because that's most that's, of our podcast. Yeah, that's but all it is. The 
the he must be a good actor because you see him as Batman and then you see yeah. him as this dude. And then I saw him in a film, something about the furnace or beyond the furnace. Oh, yeah. How was that? That- well, it's an interesting film. I thought it was quite good. Robert Duvall, right? Isn't it? I don't think he was, no, but no. Woody Harrelson was. Woody Harrelson, and okay. there was the bad evil villain from Spider-Man. You know, that dude uh, was- uh, Spider-Man? You know, like the Green Goblin or whatever that- Oh, William Defoe. Yeah, William yeah, Defoe. Yeah, Platoon. Yeah, yeah, William Defoe, and there was Christian Bale and, yeah. and also Casey Affleck. Oh, yeah. It was- Quite an interesting film, and there was this really weird scene at the end. And when I went on to the online reviews, everyone and are we going like, to ruin it? Are we ruining? What's this scene at the end? No, I'm not even going to oh, okay. talk about. It. I right. won't spoil it. Okay. But there was an unusual scene at the very, very, very right. end that confused people. Right. So, I, I actually I did buy it in uh, <laughs> <laughs> with my in uh, when I was in Fiji when I bought the, the right. Justin Bieber one that oh, yeah. was recommended. I. I got that one, but I have. But see, if I ever do that, then I will buy it when it comes out on DVD because I have you, this you're really a massive DVD collector. Yeah, obviously you have like a tribute wall of DVDs yes, at your place. Yes, it's like a very elaborate wallpaper. It's okay. like on an angle. Yeah, my friend, my informant told told me that you got the racks from a video store or something. I did, I did. I bought that. It was thirty dollars for like, the racks. Really? Yeah, no, it was from an old video. Said so it was semi professional. Yeah, I had a friend um, come and meet me, and we put it in the back of his four wheel drive and. Took it down oh, and constructed do you hate, it. Do you hate it when you're the, that friend, the I one know. with the four I used to have a utility, <laughs> a ute, and everyone wanted to catch up or hang out. Yeah. And, and there wasn't wasn't much you couldn't do for a slab of beer yeah. with a utility. Yeah. You're like the most popular guy. You could have a business there, like the dump truck guy. I, I did. Yeah. I literally used to uh-huh. cut trees and mow lawns. And I worked for a real estate agent doing all their... In fact, I was having this conversation with my son. Because he's about, he's 18 now. He's the yeah. same age as I was when I had my ute and a, a trailer and I would go out and work as a laborer. It was about $400 a week yeah. cash and it was hard work. So my son's sort of going to go through that phase where he goes from student slash rock star to having to do a job at yes. some point. And, and I think that that will be an interesting phase. It's It's like... An, an awkward phase where you go from the best time of your life where you don't have to pay for anything, you have zero responsibility, you can party all day and all night, you've got unstoppable energy, you know, unlimited funds to reality. reality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, but, yeah. but you got to do, you know, you got to do what you got to do to when you leave school. And I think those sort of jobs, are, you know, they're good. Like I, I, I slaved in McDonald's. With, with your informant when I was uh, oh, really? at school. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, we both, Maybe uh, that's where he got a, a penchant for fashion. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they're, they're snazzy outfits. <laughs> the thing is, I'd rather he doesn't have to do that stuff. He's such a smart and talented kid. He's got his, uh, actually, today his third track gets released on iTunes. So he's, a, you know, a proper published performer. He writes the songs and they Great. tour and they're going to be doing uh, some gigs like you do. Cruising around, great. Except playing rock music instead of trying to be funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever thought about? And I know you do play the guitar, which was kind of a shock to me. Yeah, it was. I didn't shock. know someone could have that much talent. You know, oh, right. well, but no, you pulled out a guitar at your performance. Yeah. And I was wondering if this would be a stunt guitar. Yeah. Like you know, the, here's the, here's the comedian going to do some funny music, but not actually play. But then you you were actually able to play. Yeah, it's well, you know, I tinker. You tinker. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Do you play? I uh, tinker, you know, because um, playing is like, you know, I know some people that play and they're just like, wow, 
But you know, I, I I can I can I can pull it off. Michael Friend can play as well. Yeah, yeah. In fact, Michael I, plays well. He was one of the first people to play for my son and in, sort of inspire him. Oh, right, to the, right. So he mightn't even know that, but I think he early on he pulled out a guitar and jazzed up some tunes when my kid was little. Yeah. And because I've known Michael for a long time, yeah. not as long as you, but probably half as long. It's those early little seeds, the transition mm. from PlayStation Guitar Hero to an well, actual yeah, guitar. Yeah, yeah. That's people that spend hours on Guitar Hero and then you give them a real guitar and they're like, what's going what on? What about the air guitarists? I mean, they, yeah. they, they sort of like in the ultimate <laughs> level of... <laughs> of, of fantasy. It's like, <laughs> it's like you put a guitar in their hands, like, what do I do with this? I was, I, they spend hours in their bedroom practicing air guitar. Like, in the meantime, you could have just picked up, you what, could be playing like Hendrix by now. What, what, are, you, they, what are they, what are they, like you can never make a key wrong if you don't no. want to imagine it. Yeah. Horrible album. But there is actually, <laughs> there have is you heard a, that stuff? There is, is that, air guitar like championships. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that would be incredible, like the air, air guitar champion with Humphrey B. Bear on vocals, lead vocals. <laughs> or Marcel Marceau on backup. <laughs> Marcel Marceau produces Humphrey B. Bear on lead vocals, backup by Cat Fat, Fat Cat. Oh, no. And, uh, oh, and, and, the, and the reunion tour with Harold Holt. <laughs> Harold Holt. Is Prime Minister of Australia yes, who, who disappeared? We, we have Actually, to be, we, we he went for a swim, and and didn't come out. No, no. There's, there's some of the some people say he got a Japanese mini sub. Sub and got it. Yeah, you yeah. would have thought he'd pop up by now, though, wouldn't you? Come on, but we're the only country in the world that loses a Prime Minister. <laughs> so what happened? Ah, oh, no, mate, he went for a swim, and yeah. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> it's uh, anyone else want want the want the job? So we yeah. use this as expression if someone doesn't show up, we say they've done the Harold, Harold. Bolt, yeah, yeah, as in the bolt, yeah. gone, <laughs> we're out of here. So let's talk about mind tricks. Mind tricks. Yeah. Okay. Mind games, a great John Lennon song. Was it? Yeah. So great that I haven't heard of you it. haven't heard of uh, it. We'll find I'm it. I'm not good with song lyrics. Song I know lyrics. the tunes. I don't know any words. I was practicing um, bass oddity on the guitar. Oh, yeah, you can play it now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really taken up a notch with the cover and stuff from Walter Mitty. Uh, right, yeah. Big, big fan. And I was listening to some David Bowie yesterday. But what I was listening to on the weekend live was yes. Birds of Tokyo and the presets. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, um, Justin Hamilton, who's in the presets, he went to my school. Oh, yeah. lovely. Well, they were playing out the front here on a big live air concert. Oh, yeah. And what I did was... I grabbed my surfboard and I went out for a surf right out the front. So as they were playing, so you yeah, had a soundtrack to your surf. Basically, it's like the it's like having the ultimate Walkman. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm speaking to the younger Walkman. generation. There. <laughs> what do you call them now? <laughs> when I had my wireless, uh, was, but pod, what is it? iTunes uh, podcast. Uh, um, MP3. MP3 player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like having really loud music while I was surfing. I was I was living. The surf culture. It's like basically out there catching wave after wave with this live rock performance. And I imagine that they were there just for me. Yes. Just yeah, just yeah. performing at my command. Yeah. Same as with the fireworks on Sydney. It's it's actually one of my friends has a birthday on New Year's Eve. So I told her that I'd organise some fireworks for her birthday. Nice, nice you know? move. And, nice the, move. you know, the amount of coordination involved in yeah. putting it on telecast everything yeah, just yeah. for the birthday. Yeah, and, so, like, and all these people I brought out to celebrate with us. Exactly. 
And I bumped into some guy in the elevator yesterday and he's like, oh, did you stand the music? You know, did you did you bear through the music? Yeah. I'm like, hey, you know. Hey, like, old timer. I told all my friends that I'd organised a little concert for them. <laughs> they didn't fit in the house, so I popped them out the front on the beach. Why not? Come over for a beach party. Yeah. They were all blown away, man. I yeah. managed to get the presets here. and So these are little mind tricks I'm talking about where you – Take advantage of the situation and you and you turn it into your favor. Right. You make it all about you. Right. Yeah, because that's what we are. Is, is, that, is that not called narcissism? No, it's, no? it's just being selfish. Right. Okay. But right. it's a human trait is to put ourselves first. Whenever we listen to a song, we insert ourselves into that track and we see how it relates to us. When someone's telling a story, we pop ourselves into the story. We imagine what would we do if we were there. Sure. So it's only natural, you know, if there's going to be a rock concert or. A big fireworks display. We could, you know, why not imagine that it's just for us? Of feel course, special? yeah. Well, that's what I would do on the street. You know, street performing because anything would happen. Like, you know, the police would drive their car through the um, actual performance <laughs> space. So I'd get out there like I'm directing an aircraft. You know, on the tarmac, like one of those um, ground control. So, you know, anything that would happen, you would just incorporate and act like, yeah, this was all planned. What are you talking about? Oh, that's like the classic tip when you sink a ball at, at uh, pool or snooker, yeah. which you didn't intend to. Yeah, yeah. Act as if you yeah, meant yeah. it. Of course, it happens yeah. every day. Never act surprised. Yeah. There was this great um, street performer from Barcelona, Leandro, and he would always say that, always act like it's, you know, natural. So he said, because, you know, you see like someone do like perform a trick on the street, like some guy like maybe does a magic trick and they're like, ooh, wow, you know. But no, that's the audience's responsibility to have that reaction to you. You do that all the time. It's whatever, normal. So what is it with countries where they, they're spelt different than they sound? Like I get confused with the Philippines. There's like about 10 ways to say it. They've, they've got Pinoy, they've got filipino with an f they have philippines yeah They're like it's very confusing to to someone outside the country yeah it's like multi ways of referring it same with germany's deutschland yeah and yeah. you know um, maybe there great, should be a global well, standard well, it's like england and then there's great britain then there's the uk know? then there's it all um, gets confusing. then there's the usa the united states of america america yeah i guess maybe it's all countries yeah. and then what, a, what about australia australia land down under yeah Oz, uh, uh, O-Z. Yeah, yeah, Oz. Do we have an original name, like a I'm sure there's traditional an, ab- name? an Aboriginal name for it, I'm sure. There would be. And, and then all before all that was just Pangea. Maybe we should just roll with that. Yeah, Pangea, yeah. I remember listening to an astronaut talking about looking at Earth from up, up above and there was no territories or borders and, and she was thinking, wow, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be just, why do we have all these wars? Why do we have all these different languages and different cultures and different money and everything and it's really just one place sure you know, when you're looking out at that general level and you you know it must be quite an interesting feeling looking down on the earth like that yeah yeah it would be and yeah it does i think it puts things into perspective you know that, that is a great thought it is essentially all one well one uh, and, but, but then you think what further away in the universe we're just a part of that we're just, you know, so we're all a part of something. And who says this show doesn't go into deep topics? Yeah, come we're, on. <laughs> well, I mean, what's our tagline? It's it's hype, hypeless. Uh, yeah, hypeless, heartfelt. Heartfelt. Yeah. So we like we are we are caring. We're very genuinely caring people. So you know, like I've identified with surf that it's kind of like a soulful thing. You know, that it's you're out there. I even take my watch off. I'm mm-hmm. just, just me and the board, just floating around. pants off. It's it's all right. But then I'm. I'm there the other day, and this lady's waving at the beach, and like, shit, what's going on? Like, is it, is there a shark? Is there someone had a heart attack or whatever? So I swim in, and it's my mum. Oh, and she's like, oh hi, Jamie. 
She saw you all the way out there. Yeah, I got this bright yellow board. Oh, like, no. It's not hard to spot. Were you wearing your hat? I wasn't wearing my instructor's right. hat. Oh, I was right. going camo. All right. And well, there was no class that yeah, day. Yeah, like, but no, she no. managed to interrupt and find my one place in the world where I can be, you know, to myself and just me and the students. <laughs> and the yeah, it's like, mum, she was just, just popping by. I thought I'd say hi. And, and I, okay. And, and it was like, it's kind of like, you know, I never, never got my momentum again after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So you just be careful. I, you know, if you do have a bright board and you happen to go in the same location, just yeah. be sure to keep it a little bit of a secret. Definitely don't talk about it on a broadcasted public podcast. No, no. Nor name of the beach <laughs> that you're surfing on either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, somewhat meditative. Just being in the moment, you know, that, that, that's when... It's I like think, the kicking back moment. The, yeah. re, the recline back, feet on the table moment. That'd be our signature move we were talking about before. Yeah, yeah. Our signature move, just kicking back. So we should pull off some signature moves all around the place. I think so. Just pop Dif- them out different there. Different locations. Run a bit of a campaign. Yeah. Maybe our listeners will do some kicking back. You know, like planking? Yeah, Maybe yeah. kicking, kicking back, back can be, be the like new a, plank. The yeah. new plank. But it's, but it's a lot less dangerous. It's a lot less effort. Yeah, it's you know. almost, there's no effort. <laughs> no, there's no, it's effortless. <laughs> yeah. it's, so probably, chances are someone's already doing it right now. Yeah. It's like automatically. Just, yeah. just do a selfie. Yeah. Say yes to selfies. That would be a hard one to do a selfie of, though, kicking back, because you've got to get the whole, the legs up. You could you have gotta, someone else take it. Hey, that's that's Yeah, involved. yeah, yeah, sure. And, and then... I know it's impossible to, to have someone else take a selfie. Yeah. But let's work with <laughs> Unless me. Unless you've got a twin. Yeah, 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 it's actually there. We have the ability under underneath our episode but to ha- post a picture. Here we go. We just said before how we're all essentially one. We so are. Let's, every shot that you would be taken of you is essentially, in the whole scheme of things, a selfie. It is. It's And it's and it's you. You're the center of the attention. Yes. Put yourself a step forward today. Do yes. something for yourself. Let's see the best kicking back pose. So... What else have you been up to? You've been travelling? Yeah, I was down in Canberra on the weekend. Right, was, our uh, nation's capital. At the, at the ACT and doing a couple of nights down there, the Canberra Theatre Centre. And my good friend Akmal was down there. He was down there workshopping material. So he had the 8 o'clock spot and I had the um, the 9.30pm spot. Does workshopping material mean you just sort of see if people like it or not? Yeah, yeah. And you're you, trying out new material. You, you know? choose a, a special audience for that, like one you could afford to... Bomb on, or yeah. well, they know that when they come to the show that it's do they? a workshopping show. Yeah, yeah so how do they delineate um, well, it's, that? It's advertised as that. what do they say? Like, going to give you work in progress, really? Yeah, and then you know, see what sticks. But it was good. He had some good, solid new material. And do you judge it by where the laughs happen? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. You get a feel for it before you go out there. Then you, you know, a loose base. So ideas sometimes and... you think something's hilarious and no one laughs. Yep. And then the opposite. Yep. Wow. Yeah, what, some things the, you can labour over and work over, and then the thing you do, what, and what, that gets nothing. Then you do a throwaway line, and that gets great. What response. was your biggest flop? The one you, you thought? No, no, was, I wasn't workshopping. I was going down there to do my show. Oh, but I, just, yeah. I'm just thinking you in general. Oh, me in general. Yeah. What was my biggest flop? Do you remember crafting a work of art? It was going to be just the best joke ever in the world, and just got nothing. Yeah, yeah. I, I have some concepts that I'm going to rework. I thought would have been like to have been um, like paparazzi in the Renaissance. You know, you would have just would have been chased by elaborate sketch artists <laughs> <laughs> running after you down the road. And I, I did, would do a whole act out in the whole book. And that one, I, I thought this one's going to work, you know. And it worked one night and then didn't work again. I kept on trying it. I'm going to make that thing work because I think yeah, it's a, get, it's a unique it concept. I you know, laughed. Le- I thought it yeah. was hilarious. Leonardo da Vinci running down the road with a sketch artist behind him. Hold up, Leo. 
you know, some, I don't know why the guy would have an Australian accent in, <laughs> in Renaissance Italy, but. Well, but it might have been, it would have been Aboriginal if it was in Australia. Yeah. Back, back then. Yeah. <laughs> but they did sketches on cave walls. They did, they did. So they were doing it back then. Yeah, yeah. But that, that, that's like a very, like, that's a very elaborate, like, you'd have to wait for this uh, this celebrity to turn up at the cave and then you'd start painting it everything on the wall. Was, and... Everything was harder then, though, like, before the printing press, you know, like, yeah. knocking out things on tablets. Yeah, and... tab- imagine that, trying to carry around your, uh, you know, your it'd books. Be, it'd be super awkward. <laughs> that would be, yeah. that, that'd be ridiculous. You'd have Those to have like... a horse and cart, you know, just take, taking down, you know, you're reading whatever, you know, what, what books were around Imagine it. trying to do a Siri on that, Siri, on a <laughs> recipe for chocolate cake. All these horse and carts turn up, you know, and there's a guy, there's a guy who like lifts them all off to get down to the... Speaking one. of horse and cart, I heard a radio celebrity yesterday. I was just plugging my phone in and in the brief period between plugging my phone in, the radio was playing mm-hmm. and the celebrity had been taken to a Cinderella ball and by horse and cart and I heard her quote was, is that a real horse? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, what? <laughs> no, I mean, it was just, I was speechless. Yeah. I was just... This lady is renowned to be quite simple and basic. Right. Do you know this person? This lady? No, I only, oh. I've heard her on, oh, on heard her shows. Her. And oh, okay. She's like one of those airhead blonde types right. who used to impersonate Marilyn Monroe at a theme park. Right. Okay. And yeah, I'm just like, seriously? Wow. And this lady gets airtime. She gets airtime. Wow. Actually, I've listened to some of the drivel on, on FM radio, and I think oh. we're substantially better than that. It's depressing. I'm, I'm very biased. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. but no, but it's depressing. There's some of the crap that's out there, and you know, like at least back in the day, had you have been followed by an, an a sketch artist, it, it would be justified, you know, because people remember back in the day when, like I'm saying, it was a day like we know what day it was, but back in a certain time, sometime in the past, sometime in the past, when fame was a byproduct of what it was that you did. You know, that, and, and it was, you know, it was a kind of a hassle. And now, like, like oh, we were talking about that with the Bieber and the One Direction there. Like, yeah, yeah. Or your, your other mate, there was Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen versus... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce, I'm going to see Bruce. Are you? This week. Nice. So, so, say so hi from me. I will, I will. I'll pass it on. So this, get this, it was 30 years ago this year that he was doing Born in the USA tour. And my brother... My mother and I, we were living together and Ben, my brother, really wanted to see it, but the tickets sold out like that, you know, as they do today. However, Ben went through the trading post, which is the equivalent, I guess, of what, what today would like Craigslist. Yeah. Went through that and there was a guy that was selling Bruce Springsteen tickets and he had two tickets and he pleaded with mum and mum said, right, I'll take you along. So... We all got in the car. We drove across out to the middle of nowhere to get these tickets. Some, I kind of remember it was out like in like Bankstown or something to get these two tickets and we arrived there and mum and Ben went in and I waited at the car and Ben came down, shoulders hunched, head forward. I'm like, what happened? He goes, he just sold the tickets. A guy just picked him up beforehand. So he never got to see Bruce Springsteen. 30 years later, well, it was actually last year, so it'd be 29 years later, I, tr- I went to get the pre-sales that went on sale, gone in five minutes. The whole the ticket tech system crashed as a result of people trying to get tickets. And then I thought, right, I'm going to do it old school. I'm going to go and wait in line at ticket tech when the actual general public's tickets go on sale. 
And I thought, I'm not going to go to the one in the city because people line up out there. And I had a Wing Chun session in Hurstville. So I got out there early in the morning and I waited in line at the Ticket Tech. And then by the time I got closer to the, the sales, there was a huge line of people waiting out behind me. And we're all talking about how great this is going to be. We're going to all be seeing Bruce. And the lady from the Ticket Tech says, come around to the side here and give me your credit card details. And then look at the screen here. It's 11 o'clock. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's 12 o'clock. And then she says, when I put the details into the computer, your credit card details, bam, it's going to come up. And this is going to be the area, the A reserve that you're going to want to pick your tickets out of. And A reserve is all like yellow. Yep. And when the tickets are taken, it goes gray. So, and she's like clicking on the keyboard to get into the ticket tech system. And she is ticket tech, right? And then the system, it all comes up. The map comes up and it just suddenly all goes gray. All the color goes and it goes gray. And I got nothing. There's no, no tickets available. Everyone waiting in line. There's one guy goes, could I get one ticket? She says, sorry, there's nothing. It was like that, gone. Oh, so I, I couldn't get a ticket. However, using my ingenuity, I found a contact within the, uh, the ticketing world and said, you know, I, I got to get these a couple of tickets for Bruce. She said, there's nothing, you know, like even I can't get the tickets. But she said, let me see closer to the date. Well, you know, if anything comes available, but it doesn't look good. Last week, I get a message from her. Still interested in those tickets. I'm like, definitely. Just on Friday, I get a ticket in the post. There they are, two tickets for Bruce this Wednesday night. Wow. So I called up Ben and I said, remember 30 years ago when you uh, wanted to see Bruce? Well, we're going on Wednesday. So, wow, and what it, a wonderful thing. And he was so excited. He sounded like, you know, I hadn't heard my brother that excited like that in, the, in a long time. It was like this whole, I guess all the memories kind of flooded That's out. what I think is, is, that would define my last few months is reconnecting with things I did as a kid. You know, learning to surf at age 42 is ex as exciting as probably it was for a 12-year-old. And then playing PlayStation with my kids, I've been playing chess, I've been um, Flappy Bird, of course. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah. over that now. You're done? Done with Flappy Bird. How far did you get? 42. 42? Yeah. I couldn't I, even get one. My kids are up to like 170. They've just wow. they put too much distance on the old man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's all fun to do that. But then when the competition comes in, you're like, damn kids. Well, they're normally the ones that give up on a game quicker. Right. They've got the attention span. What, what are we talking about again? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've got a flyer here I want to talk about. It's mm. Joel Osborne. Because sometimes when you perform... You give me tickets. It's it's for me. It's like a Bruce Springsteen ticket. It's like wow, there's two tickets with my name on it. And I yeah. go up to the counter and I feel special. Like Mr. Sharon, yes, uh, Joel's left me some tickets, <laughs> and they pull out the envelope. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, I feel like feel like I've won the lottery. On this flyer, I found it on my seat, and it says here, "This was at the show." At the show, mm -hmm. it's a, your flyer. It says, "Hello, friend." You didn't even personalize it, but that's fair enough. Firstly, well, we're friends. You we know, are, like, we are. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for not sitting on my face or discarding me under your seat. This is pretty crafty marketing. Is this your work? Or? Yeah, it's mine. Yeah. Really? And it's like a post-it note. Yeah, yeah. That was my idea to make it because I didn't want to make, I wanted to make it personable, you know? That's, it is good. And you've like stuck it over the top of some kind of writing. Was it? It's like faux writing. It's like pretending there's something under underneath. There. Yeah, well, oh, this this flyer was a flyer that would be used to promote my shows. Yeah. But I thought, you know, I'm gonna, I, I want to make it personable. So I put the poster note over some old writing, whatever was on the old flyer. That's wonderful. I wonder if Bruce is going to do that. 
He doesn't need to. He wouldn't. No. Are there even seats? There are seats. There are seats. Yeah, because Bruce does like three to three and a half hours. So how does a concert. normal person get tickets? I don't know. I, well, I guess I'm not normal. So do you think people was, buy them and get just resell them? Maybe normal people get them. Like yeah, they do. Yeah, scalpers do buy them and they sell them for a fortune online. It didn't take long to lose iPhones with Flappy Bird installed selling for fifty thousand dollars on eBay. Really? Yeah, and then ten grand. Nah, no, people weren't buying it though. I don't think so. But no. you know, this people are extremely opportunistic. Yes, it, it just seems like it's kind of outrageously taking advantage of trends. And obviously they haven't heard of the tulip craze, you know, from, from the old days when the, the price just went up and up and up and up and up and then everything just crashed. Yeah. But, well, it's, that's, but that's always the way. Price goes up, 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 up and crashes. That's what happened in 1929 and Wall Street. Yeah, it'll probably happen sometime well, in the United States yeah, at some point. Yeah, that's a good prediction. That, that a lot of the signs are showing there. Do you, What's your strategy then? I guess you'll... Me. I well, guess you could go and work pubs and do some comedy gigs. Yeah, see, the thing is, even during times of, you know, depression and times of, you know, whenever someone is in financial strife, they always need a laugh. You know, even more so, it's like yeah. comedy actually, the popularity increases during times of war or turmoil or, you know, because I think people, I don't know, get more in. It's like when you went and played for the troops, <laughs> which we covered in an earlier episode. Yeah. But... You know what else sells? And, and apparently, my mate Joseph Dwyeros <laughs> wasn't it his joke? Yeah, apparently, <laughs> according to the Lord Mayor of Inverell or wherever he was. Oh, that's funny. I've had I actually had a situation where someone borrowed stuff of mine. Yeah, I, a, a customer of mine sent me a website and it had all my information product published on there, and it was they were promoting your products. Some lady had put her name and everything and posted my product on her site. And I emailed her and I said, hey, what's the story with this? She goes, oh, yeah, we're just looking to get more traffic to the side, make it more powerful. I'm like, but why are you doing it with my yeah, product? Right. Yeah, yeah. She goes, you oh, never authorized she goes, oh it wasn't, wasn't me as my partner and, you know, it's an old site. And we were just trying to build. I'm like, do you mind sending me over your product so I can publish <laughs> it on my site? Because, yeah. you know, I'd like to build up some power on my site. Yeah. You know, like, and I said, to, to be honest, I was just a bit miffed. And really what I was looking for was an apology. Yeah, and you never got one? She's just like, oh, I didn't realize it was paid product. Like, yeah, it's like my, my yeah. information product. He's like cut and paste onto the website. Yeah, yeah. So people are shameless in there and they're negligent. Like to put your name on that, in the end, she apologized and I said, that's fine. And she's going to yeah. buy me a drink. So that should make up for all the lost sales in the yeah, last I'm sure. two years. I'm sure. <laughs> I've got to check it for for uh, added additives or whatever. Yeah, but that's you know that's your intellectual property. You know that, it is, that, but that you put intellectual property is breached every day. And and you know the thing is, in some cultures, this is what I'm finding. Uh, like a country, for example, in in Asia, a lot of those places, I think seventy or eighty percent of software mm. is pirated software. Because they don't have a cultural awareness of copyright protection, especially probably China. Right. If right. there's a Facebook or a Twitter or an eBay or an Amazon in Western society, there'll be a copy of it in China. Mm-hmm. The the replica. They like they literally replicate. Sure. And no regard to a friend, IP. A friend of mine bought a pair of Jordan Five shoes, and they were like you know the rare ones, and all the guys were like, "Wow, this is incredible!" Down at the local basketball court. 
and he's in London there, you know, j jumping around with these, and they're like, wow, man, he's so cool. How'd you get them? You know, those things are like so rare. And he didn't tell them that he had got them in China. And he went for a layup for the shot, and the sole of the shoe came off. Oh, no. <laughs> and he said it was, he felt so pathetic limping back back to his, you know, to the bench. Couldn't That's, play anymore. My, my dad got me a Rolex copy once from Bali, and I... And he was trying to give it to me, and I said, "No, nah, Dad, I don't, I don't want it." You know, like I called it a Roland. <laughs> it's like the. the it they, sounds great though. They make great keyboards. The, tag Howards. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I don't, I don't want the fake. I don't want the copy. I want the real deal. Yeah. But you know, in some of those factories where they do actually produce for Western yes. countries, they just sort of keep the the mill running after the. Yeah, I've heard that, but I don't know about that because I was because I was told that when I was in Shanghai and the guy and I went to buy a North Face jacket because it was so cold, and I thought I've always wanted to get one of those North Face, you know, with the feather down. And the guy shows it to me, and I went to put my arm in, but instead of going to the sleeve, my arm went into the lining, into all these feathers. <laughs> so it comes out, my arms just covered in feathers. I'm like, was this, this no deal? Yeah, no deal. And he was upset with me that I wasn't like buying it. I'm like, I can't look at it; it's, it's falling apart. He said, No, 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 it's genuine. And then another one I tried on a jumper and it went to there because I got like gibbon arms. My arms are long at the best of times. This is this is an audio show. So yeah, yeah, very very long arms. And my my friend Grant, who's affectionately known as the pig, he uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he calls me the gibbon because my yeah my uh, like shirts always go you know yeah. halfway up. Isn't my that wrist. an interesting fact? I actually have a slightly longer arm too. Right, right. Yeah, what a. Pa strange pairing. I know, I know. Dangerous. A couple, couple of givens. <laughs> I'll keep you at arm's length. You but. could be like the head given, though. I don't want that claim. No. Or go for a di different nickname. So, so, I, so, yeah, the thing wouldn't fit me. But the best, best scenario was a comedian friend of mine. We went to do some shows in Kuala Lumpur, Fred. And Fred's like, Joel, when we go down to the local market, you watch me. I know how to barter. Don't worry. I, you learn from me, kid. So we go down there. And they're giving him, like, they figure it out on a calculator and give it to him. He feigns like he's having a heart attack when he reads what's on there. So then he puts in his amount. They're like, oh, and it's like this whole little show going on. But he bought a pair of, um, there were new Levi's at the time, engineered Levi's. Remember them back in, yes. like, yeah, yeah. They were built by engineers. Yeah, so he bought, he bought a pair of those. He bought a watch and he bought some DVDs. It was before the gig, and, he, and he's like bartering, getting the best deals, you know. And I'm thinking, God, it's like two bucks, whatever, no big deal. But he's like, no, no, it's a principle, you know, you got to barter with him. So before the gig, he's stretching, getting ready for He's got a new engineer. He leans forward and just tears the ass out of the pants. He does like this Elvis move. And so, so he's like, oh, shit. So he has to run back to the hotel room to, to put on these other pants. Well, on the, on the way back, on the flight back to Australia... And he goes to adjust the time on his watch. <laughs> and the second hand has fell off within the watch. <laughs> so the next time I see him, I go, how are those DVDs? He goes, shocking. All those ones that they just film in the movie cinema. You couldn't hear it. It was just, oh. So it's, it's something to be said for having good quality. There is. My kids remind me this when, when they need something. They said, Dad, remember what you always say? The best or nothing. Yeah. You yeah. know, like that's, that was a Mercedes-Benz catch line for years. And they... Like Coke, they kind of forgot their best catch lines. Like Coke used to be it, mm. and then they stepped away from that, which is like insane marketing suicide. Yeah. And Mercedes used to have this saying, the best or nothing. And it was all about good quality. And so I didn't actually wear a watch until I could afford a decent watch. Right. That was the, that was the deal. Not even the Roland. No Roland. No I, Roland. I didn't want to have a fake watch. Yeah. 
Well, that's, I think we've discussed But this. I did have a traumatic experience with low-quality garments in the, in the showroom. What happened? Well, I was just giving birth to my first, well, not me, my wife. Wow, yeah, I was going to uh, say, that would have been like traumatic. I was 24, yeah. I was just got my sales job. I had to make money or I was basically financially tanked. And I was selling a, a BMW and this lady and this man were there and the, the man says, Oh, I like your tie. It's a lovely tie. And the lady reaches across, oh. grabs it, turns it around, and it says target, and she throws it back and says, no, it's not. Oh. <laughs> and I could have just died. I, like, melt on the spot. Oh. I was so embarrassed. So I went down to David Jones, which is a fancy-pantsy store, and I spent $185 on a Jeeves and Hawks from Savile Row tie. Mm-hmm. And I went back to the dealership and I felt bulletproof. Mm. I felt unstoppable. Like, should anyone turn my tie and look at the label they'll again, know. they'll know that this is a, this is the real deal. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is they never, never turned my tie. No, did that like, lady ever come back? No, she was no. so rude. But I thought it, you were going to say I got one of those really good ties, you know, with the wire around the back. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I can actually tie a tie. You know, since, since fifth grade, going to private school, mm-hmm. took care of that. Mm-hmm. And I even know how to wear a straw hat. Oh. So which, which school was that? Sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I remember them at the train station when I was. Man, there. you had to wear that thing all the way home. Like even if you're just near your house. Yeah. If you're well, walking in, down the street with your button undone or your, your boater in your hand instead of on your head, I'd hear detention. So a prefect would scream across from the house across the road for me. Yeah. Put it on. Do yeah. it up. I'm like, fuck! I hate this school. This yeah. is like the worst bullying ever yeah we used to have that with blazers we had to wear i went to saint andrews and we have to wear the oh, blazers yes. and if we ever took the bla- it'd be summer we're nearly passing out yeah like, put your blazer on oh, and you do your blazer up big heavy stanford school bags like yeah. with their the old plastic handle like yeah. no no equally weight distributed backpacks then <laughs> it's like this no and like a thousand books i'm sure i'd throw yeah. my back in that that it was that's when you have like tradition for the sake of tradition, when mm. it makes no freaking sense whatsoever. Had to get beaten up in football. I had to bore myself to death with cricket because that's what the school required until I got an exemption to do sailing. I, nice. I, I bucked the whole system. Yeah. But I became very unpopular for that. Really? Yeah. I used to play soccer and then I got out of that and did Wing Chun. <laughs> so, so I'd be down there with um, Doesn't that isn't that a translation for favors one with long arms? Yes, I believe it is. Like it is. Keeps enemy at distance. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd be down there with um with uh, the given arms stand yeah, back. Yeah. And there was this guy Duncan Forbes, he did it as well. And and Duncan came down, there was a group of us and Duncan would always get involved in things like I, I don't know. He, he he had a talent for being able to put five pencils up one nostril, you know, and just hanging wow. out there. Yeah. I wonder how he discovered that. He discovered many things. This guy Duncan. He was he was quite a character. But he uh, uh, there's many stories I could tell that probably aren't aren't repeatable on uh, for for the you know. We lot. should do a, a whole little section on school, school. stories. Like yeah, school. yeah. That would be oh good man, for, for a, next time a, because yeah. the, the the pig Grant he could have his own category. <laughs> my mate Grant that we went to school that I went my to best friend Chris Christopher yeah. he had a shocker like yeah. absolute shocker it's like sixth grade in private preppy school you know with little, it was very serious sixth, sixth grade what you're about 11 or 12 yeah. and he didn't do well in his mental score like the maths thing he got like one out of ten and the teacher was uh, furious he's like Christopher 
He actually used his surname, which I won't say, just to save him from embarrassment. He said, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Now, unfortunately for Christopher, his dad worked for a food company who provides sauces and stuff. They used to provide sauces for McDonald's, you know, like applesauce and that. But mm-hmm. they also brand it under other labels. And one of them was a very popular label for babies. And he said, baby foods. Uh, <laughs> he's like, you never live that down. Oh, never. That was it. That's like the next next seven years. You're gone. Done. It's like, baby foods. What was he thinking? I'm not that's sure I've stick. heard any, anything quite as bizarre <laughs> since. But after, I remember the next year, distinctly the next year, I was walking past the lockers and I hear this tap, tap, tap in the locker. And I'm like, I open up the locker and... There's Christopher bundled up in the locker <laughs> in the, the fetal position, arms and legs like a contortionist. It was, uh, it was just downhill. Poor uh, Christopher. Yeah, poor Christopher. But we should do that, yeah, an episode that, inca- yeah, that has all the school stories. We'll yeah, see if we can one-up each other. Oh, man. I, I think those schools too, like, you know, pri- private boys' schools... That's it's like a where, bullying ground. It, totally, totally. But it's where you're meant to be proper, but there's stuff that goes on in those private boys' schools that is worse, than I would imagine, than, than any other well-respecting state school. Yeah, and yeah. no, I'm kind of looking forward to purging the memory banks on that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I can let go of some of the horrific things. It can be like a therapy session, you know. Yeah. Like, Come on, tell us what happened. Come on. <laughs> well, I think that's about us for today. I think it is. Yeah, Once so again, we never got around to doing what we planned so we'll, <laughs> on, on talking about, but we will. What, the Arnie book? Yeah, the Arnie book. We'll eventually get around to that. Oh, that's good. Well, uh, and, and we've got your... Um, your we've still got the great-grandfather diaries. Great-grandfather diaries. I was looking through some of them before, and there's some uh, interesting stuff in there. We'll eventually get around to it, you know. Yeah, so uh, action step for today's. let's see your kicking back picture. Yes, kicking back pictures. We'll do some too. We'll put them up on the website. There's some on the website already anyway. So yeah. you can go along to get, if you need some creative inspiration <laughs> on, <laughs> on how to kick back. The Steve McQueen one, we need to put that one up there. Yeah, Steve, I think it's, that's, it's, the, that's the benchmark. That, that is, can he be beaten? Yeah. You've been listening to another episode of Kicking Back with James Shramko and Joel Osborne. Visit kickingback.com for the show notes, pictures, and join the discussion.